Good morning, everyone. It is the 28th of October, Saturday morning. Mark is continuing to read, and Arthur Pink's Holy Spirit is ready for Chapter 13, Part 1. Holy Spirit by Arthur W. Pink. Chapter 13, The Spirit Convicting. Though man in his natural state is spiritually dead, that is entirely destitute of the spark of true holiness. Yet is he still a rational being has a conscience by which he is capable of perceiving the difference between good and evil and of discerning and feeling the force of moral obligation, Romans 1.32.2.15. By having his sins clearly brought to his mind and conscience, he can be ready to be made to realize what his true condition is as a transgressor of the whole law of God. This sight and sense of sin when aroused from moral stupor under the common operations of the Holy Spirit is usually termed conviction of sin. There can be no doubt that the views and feelings of men may be very clear and strong even while they are in an unregenerate state. Indeed, they do not differ in kind. Though they do in degree from what men will experience the day of judgment, when their own consciences shall condemn them and they shall stand guilty before God, Romans 3.19. But there is nothing whatever in the kind of conviction of sin mentioned above which has any tendency to change the heart or make it better, no matter, no matter how clear or how strong such convictions be. There is nothing in them which approximates to those that the Spirit produces in them whom he quickens. Such convictions may be accompanied by the most alarming apprehensions of danger. The imagination may be filled with the most frightful images of terror and hell, may seem almost uncovered to their terrified view. Very often, under the sound of the faithful preaching of eternal punishment, some are aroused from their lethargy and feelings of the utmost terror are awakened in their souls while there is no real spiritual conviction in seizing the sinfulness of sin. On the other hand, there may be deep and permanent spiritual convictions where the passions and imagination are very little excited. Solemn is it to realize that there are now in hell multitudes of men and women who on earth were visited with deep convictions of sin whose awakened conscience made them conscious of the rebellion against their maker, who were made to feel something of the reality of the everlasting burnings, and the justice of God meted out such punishment to those who spurn his authority and trample his laws beneath their feet. How solemn to realize that many of those who experienced such convictions were roused to flee from the wrath to come, and became very zealous and diligent in speaking and seeking to escape the torments of hell and who under the instinct of self-preservation 
took up with religion. As offering desired means of escape, how unspeakably solemn to realize that many of those poor souls fell victims to men who spoke smooth things, assuring them that they are they were the objects of God's love and that nothing more was needed than to receive Christ as your personal Savior. How unspeakably solemn we say that such souls look to Christ merely as a prior escape who never from the supernatural work of the Spirit in their hearts surrender to Christ as Lord. Does the reader say such statements as above or most unsettling and dwell upon and will destroy my peace? We answer oh, that it may please God to use these pages to disturb some who have long enjoyed a false peace. Better far, dear reader, to be upset, yea, searched and terrified now. To die in the false comfort produced by Satan and weep and wail for all eternity. If you are unwilling to be tested and searched, that is clear proof that you lack an honest heart. An honest heart desires to know the truth. An honest heart hates pretense. An honest heart is fearful of being deceived. An honest heart welcomes the most searching diagnosis of its condition. An honest heart is humble and tactable, not proud, presumptuous, and self-confident. Oh, how very few there are who really possess an honest heart. The honest heart will say, if it is possible for an, for an unhyper-regenerate soul, experience convictions of sin you have depicted above. If one who is dead and trespasses and sins, may nevertheless have a vivid and frightful anticipation of the right of the wrath to come and engage in such sincere earnest endeavors to escape from the same. But how am I to ascertain whether my convictions have been of a different kind from theirs? A very pertinent and most important question, dear friend, in answering the same, let us first point out that soul terrors with hell are not in themselves any proof from the supernatural work of God. Having been wrought in the heart is not horrifying alarm for everlasting burnings. Felt in the heart which distinguishes experiences of quickened souls. From that of being quickened, though such alarms are felt in varying degrees by both classes, and particularly particular saving work of conviction, the Holy Spirit occupies the soul more mm, within itself then with punishment this is an exercise of the mind to which fallen men are exceedingly averse they had rather meditate on almost anything than upon their own wickedness neither argument entreaty or mourning or induce them resist them so to do nor will Satan suffer one of his captives so a mightier one comes and frees him to dwell upon sin. Its nature and vileness know he constantly employs all his subtle arts to keep his victim from such occupation, his temptations. Illusions are mixed with the natural darkness and vanity of men's hearts so to fortify them against 
conviction so that he may keep his gifts in peace. Luke eleven twenty one. Despite the exceeding greatness of his power, the Holy Spirit fixes the mind of the quick and the light and soul upon the due consideration of sin. Sin it is that the subject of this experience Christ. My sin is ever before me, Psalms fifty one three. For God now proves him and sets his sins in order before his eyes, Psalms seven twenty one. Now he is forced to behold them, no matter which way he turns himself, fain would he cast them. Out of his thoughts that he cannot, the arrows of God stick in his heart, Job six four. He cannot get rid of them. He now realizes that his sins are more in number than the Harris has said. Psalms 40, 12. Now it is that the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon them. Isaiah 47. Spirit occupies the quickened and enlightened soul with exceeding sinfulness of sin. He unmasks evil character and shows that all are self-pleasing. Self-gratification was for the species of continuing subjection to God, of enmity against him, against his person, his attributes, his government, the spirit makes the convicted soul feel how grievously he has turned his back upon God. Jeremiah 32, 33, lifted up his heel against him and trampled his laws underfoot. Spirit causes him to see and feel that he has forsaken the pure foul stream, preferred the filthy creature above the ineffable creator, the base lust, the Lord of glory, the spirit convicts the quickened soul, the multitude of his sins. He realizes now that all his thoughts, desires, and imaginations are corrupt. And perverse conscience now accuse him of a thousand things, which hitherto never occasioned him the pain. Under the spirit's illumination, the soul discovers that his very righteousness are as filthy rags for the motive which prompts even his best performances for an acceptable to him who weighed the spirits. He now sees that his very prayers are polluted through lack of pure affection prompting them. In short, he sees from the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there are no soundness in him. But wounds and bruises and purifying sores. Isaiah 1 6, the Spirit brings before the heart of the convicted one, the character, the claims of God. Sin is now viewed in the light of the divine countenance is made to feel what an evil and bitter thing it is to sin against God. The pure light of God shining in the conscience over against vile darkness horrifies the soul. The convicted one both sees and feels that God is holy, that he is completely unholy, that God is good, he is vile. The third is the most awful disparity between him and us. He is made to feel and cry. 
house and such a corrupt wretch like me ever stand before such a holy God, whose majesty I am so often slighted. Now it is that the soul was made to realize how it has treated God with the basest ingratitude of beauty, his goodness, averting his mercy, scorning his best friend. Reader, has this been your experience? Okay, thank you. Can you the book that, please? Thank you.